Welcome to Central Assembly of God's podcast. We pray this message speaks to you. Good morning. We'll have the ushers come forward at this time. We're going to receive our regular tithes and offerings. Uh, Today, we're going to receive a completely separate offering specifically for the Tilapia Project at the end of service today. So my heart really for this church and giving today is that if you, would, if you regularly give to the Lord, if you regularly give to missions, that you'd continue to give as usual. Our ministry is going to continue this month. Our support of 18 missionaries and uh, multiple organizations is going to continue as well. So if you're fo- feeling the following of the, the Lord's leading to give to the Tilapia uh, Project today, my hope is, my desire is that, that is above and beyond your normal giving, a sacrificial offering to see this project come to completion. So at this moment right now, we're just going to receive uh, our tithes and our offerings. Let's just pray. And Father, we recognize uh, this giving to you is an investment into eternity, is a response of love, is an offering, Father, to our Lord, not to an organization or a person or a ministry. So Father, we give to you knowing that how we give will be measured back to us. We give knowing that we give with a cheerful heart. We give knowing that we have expectation of what you're going to do with this offering. We ask that you'd bless it and bless the giver at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody sit. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Pastor Juan was praying about uh, revival. The songs we sang just recently here today were about revival, about God's fire. If you think about revival, when it comes, I might be in the monitors, Randy, or you could turn me maybe down a little bit. When you think about when revival comes, it always comes to a people that are poor in spirit. They know that they are nothing without God. They're desperate for God. But one of the fruits of revival is always a people who are rich in generosity. If you look at how revival starts, it comes out of a poor in spirit, desperation from God. But after revival hits a person, a family, or a church, or a region, or a county, or a state, or a nation, richness and generosity is always a fruit of that. I think you could study, you know, if you look back and study even revivals in our nation or revivals across the world, there was always a people who were generous flowing out of that revival. So what I want to do today is really finish a series of messages on generosity that I've been sharing for the past several weeks. You know, after Vicky, Pastor Vicky shared just a great word uh, from the Lord last week and shared her and Chad's testimony and then what God has done from that, I really thought I was going to go into something, uh, you know, a Christmas theme. And as I prayed about it and thought about this, 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 um, this subject of generosity is still burning in my heart too much. So to be honest with you, I would have faked it if I came up here and talked about something Christmassy. <laughs> but actually, generosity is Christmassy. Right? Because really, it's not about the tilapia offering. It's not about receiving an offering. It is something that God wants to do in every single one of our hearts. So we carry a spirit of generosity everywhere we go. I mentioned this quote a few weeks back by Bill Johnson. He said, money is the kindergarten of Christianity. So think about that. Just as naturally as kindergarten students learn how to count and read, young Christians should learn how to give to learn as, a, as a, a habit of life. Now, I want you to take the limits off of what you think I'm saying because I'm standing behind a pulpit in a church at an altar. There's two fish bowls right there. We're ready to receive an offering at the end. We've just received an offering. And you have to take the limits off of that. 
When I say generosity, I'm in no way, shape, or form meaning that it's all coming into this, these walls. Do you understand that? I want you to just have fun dreaming with God about how he would like to partner with you in a lifestyle of generosity. We're trusting that God's going to provide enough that the ministries of this church and that the ministry on Isla Tessahara will move forward in power, in grace, in prosperity. So we're trusting the Lord. So now you trust the Lord to speak to you about how and where he wants you to be generous. Just like a kindergarten student will not get very far in second and third and fourth grade without knowing how to read and how to write and how to count, a Christian is not going to get very far if they do not understand generosity. There will be a certain level of faith that you, you max out at because you're not being generous with your time and your resources and the giftings that he's given you. I really feel like we need to get this right. That's why I was tempted to go Christmas. We got this up. We're singing the Christmas song. Like, I, w- I wanted to move on, but we have to get this right before we move on. We have to get the aspect of generosity right, or God's only going to be able to move so far in our lives or in this church, and we're talking about something much bigger than this church. There's actually an expectation that we see God move in power, in his saving grace, in miracles, signs, and wonders, more outside of the walls of this church than even in this church. And generosity is a huge part of it. So for this past year, we have been redigging foundations. We have been reestablishing foundations that are going to be used as these, these pillars that support how we disciple and how we train and how we release people for generations to come. Do you understand that? This is a building and a digging and a growing season. So if you think about it, the higher the building is, the deeper the foundation has to go. So I know some people, we want to move, 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 and move forward, and move forward, and move forward. We have to get certain things right and set in place. And the, the, the higher we expect the building to be, then we're going to dig and dig and dig and set these foundations in place. So last year at this time, we were talking about the promises of God and how he has something much bigger for your life than you could ever dream or imagine. And we started the year off with eight weeks on Wednesday nights talking about the importance of prayer and fasting. Without those two elements, God's not going to move. We won't hear the voice of the Lord. We spent a significant time on our identity, who God says you are and what he's given you as a born again child of God. We spent several weeks on being a family, right? Talking about the family of God, how to interact with one another, how to forgive, how, how to, um, how to, uh, have conversation for conflict resolution. We talked about the fire of God throughout the summer, how to raise in our expectation, our desperation for the fire of God to come over us, that we'd be walking revival everywhere that we went. We spent time redigging the wells of revival and how revival birthed this county, how revival birthed the assemblies of God, how revival birthed central assembly of God. And now we're on generosity and giving. These are all pillars that are setting the foundation of generations to come. And today we're going to camp out in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, if you want to turn there at this time. In 2 Corinthians, this is a a book of the Bible, but it's actually a letter. It was originally written as a letter by the Apostle Paul. Can you say Paul? He was writing it to real people, not just people thousands of years later who would look at it in a leather-bound book or a hardback book. He was writing it to a a, a real group of people that met in the church. The people were the church. 
They met in the city of Corinth. Can you say Corinth? So in this book, we see Paul, the apostle, who actually planted the church. That means he started the church in Corinth. Now, years later, writing letters to the people in the city of Corinth. And I just want to use this as a backdrop today. I'm going to go in a couple of different uh, verses outside of this. But if you just camp out right in chapters 8 and chapter 9, then we'll, we'll fit these pieces together. What Paul was encouraging this church in Corinth to do is to give a radically generous offering, not just as a one time. He's setting it up for one time, but there's an ongoing lifestyle of generosity that he wants the church in Corinth to send back to the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was basically like the mother church, but they were in the midst of trial. They were in need. Then he goes on to explain how the Macedonian church, can you say Macedonia? He uses them as an example of generosity. And he's saying, listen, church in Corinth, I want you to see how the church in Macedonia poured out their generosity to Jerusalem. And he goes on in, the, in a later part of the chapter, which we're not going to touch on today, about how Jesus actually, though he was rich, like coming from heaven, became poor so that in his poverty, we would become rich. Now, we know that means way much more than money, but it includes money. It includes an aspect of prosperity. Paul also talks about how our good intentions actually need to be matched with action. And Paul lays out principles throughout these two chapters of simply this. How can our lifestyle mirror the nature of God? So I personally, I like the tension that a message like this creates on a day when we're receiving an offering that has a goal of $33,600. Because some of you are thinking right now, figures he's going to preach on generosity. We're receiving a special offering. I actually like the tension that it creates. Because for those people that do not have generosity as a core value in their life right now, you think I'm about to give a hard sell and try to coerce you. So I'm saying today, make it up in your mind, don't give at the end of service. I would rather the Lord lead you to a place of repentance and say, generosity is absolutely the nature of God, so I'm going to begin to give. And I'll explain that in just a minute. For those of you who have already decided to give in an offering today or give regularly to the Lord, this message is going to be confirmation. Wow, I'm actually living out a life of generosity just like in the early church. The forefathers of the faith, the ones that hung out and spent time with Jesus, who experienced the birth of the church and then spread it over that entire region. And for those of you who maybe uh, give, you know, every once in a while in, in an offering or maybe once in a while to the poor, to an organization, and maybe you came here today on the fence about what to give or what not to give, and you're just, you know, confused about that, I just want you to set your mind at ease right now and understand the Lord just wants you to be generous. He never wants you to give out of force or compulsion. So before we begin, this is what I want to do. I just want to set some ground rules, okay? If you do not currently give to the Lord, or if you find yourself in a place of repentance over these last several weeks, maybe the Lord's showing you, you know what, I do need to give offering to the Lord. I want to start, you know, at that tithe, and I want to bring offerings. I want to give. I want to be more of a generous lifestyle. This is what I want you to consider doing, and I, I heard this happen in another church. We'll use the same example. If you're giving for the very first time to the Lord, or if you, sometimes you put in, you know, one or two dollars in the offering, but you know that you want it to become a habit, so you're going to increase giving, and you're going to give. At any time in, this, in the upcoming month or so, you can grab uh, an envelope 
And on that envelope or on your check, you can write the words repentance offering. And if you write that word repentance offering on an envelope, that's just showing us that you are repenting of a lifestyle of giving that is self-centered and you're repenting of that and you're moving toward a lifestyle that is God-centered. Anything that has repentance offering on it will not go to this church. It will not go to the Tilapia Project. It will not go to anything that benefits our church. We'll pray as a leadership team and we'll, we'll send it to somebody else that's in need. Does that make sense? Are, we, are you with me so far? So I want to show you this. My, my heart motives are right. I want you to repent of self-centered lifestyle of generosity and go toward a God-centered lifestyle of generosity. So if you've never given before and, that, and that's you and you say, you know what, I'm repenting of that. I'm going to give regularly, but this very first offering, it could just be a repentance offering, but you need to mark that, okay? If you've decided to give already today, I want you to give with great expectation of what God's going to do through that offering. I want you to understand the principles of generosity are already in effect in your life. And God will absolutely pour out his blessing for your obedience to the Lord. That second category good? All right. If you come and you, like, like I said, if you're in, in the category that sometimes you, you might just, just give, if you have cash, you'll give it in the offering plate so you don't feel bad or, you know, whatever. You, Lord's like, okay, you, I, I want you to be more generous and I want you to think outside yourself more. And you really came here thinking you might give to the offering or you might not. Can you make up your mind now not to give today so you can just listen to the word of God being preached? And you don't have to take, well, well, this verse means that maybe I should give. Well, geez, now it just made me feel bad. Now I'm not going to give. Just make up your mind. Listen, today... I'm going to hear the word of God preached in purity. Then I can go home. If I'm married, pray with your, pray with your spouse. If you're, uh, if you're by yourself, just decide with the Lord in prayer, and then you can give over the next week. Is that good for category three? So nobody should come in here right now. Just this message should not be the teetering point of it. There should be true repentance in your heart before you move forward in generosity. You say amen? amen. I mean, so be it. When you think about it, a lifestyle of generosity isn't actually measured by a one-time gift. It's measured by the style of your life. That's why it's called a lifestyle. So that's why a message like this can't be setting us up for one offering. I don't want you to give a big offering here and then go away deceived that now we're living a lifestyle of generosity. I want us to give out of a style of living that is producing generosity because the Lord's leading you to do that. And we see Paul teaching this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Starting at verse 1, I won't be able to read all of the, the chapters, though I would love to, I'm trying to put three or four weeks together in the next 30 minutes. It says, now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace, the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. So Paul's talking to people living in Corinth about the church in Macedonia. He says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Look at verse 2 there, because I read it wrong like the first time I ever looked at it. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme, that word does not say prosperity. Are you catching that? Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy was not matched with extreme prosperity. They actually had overwhelming joy in the midst of extreme poverty. And because of that, it welled up in rich generosity. Are you seeing that? Overflowing joy and generosity does not have to equal how much you have in your bank account. It's a heart issue and it's a lifestyle. 
So the offering that Paul's talking about here is not from the church of Corinth right now. He's saying, listen, guys, I want you to see this. This church in Macedonia was in extreme need. They were in extreme poverty, but with their joy matched with their poverty, they gave in rich generosity, specifically to the church in Jerusalem. They were not collecting an offering for a tilapia project. This was to their mother church in Jerusalem who was facing difficult times financially. If we look at the early church and generosity that was threaded through the entire New Testament, there's an example in Acts chapter 24, verse 17. Just let me read it. It says, after, several, after, after an absence of several years, this is the Luke, the one who wrote the book of Acts, talking about Paul. Or this is Paul speaking, he's quoting him. He said, I came back to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. So after Paul had, had started there and he went out from Jerusalem, he started planting churches, he was actually teaching churches this discipline and this attitude, and this lifestyle of generosity, and he would actually receive offerings from them, free will offerings, not based on the law, not based on a calculation. It was what the Lord would have put in their heart to give cheerfully with the expectation that uh, God was going to multiply and do amazing things with that. And he received those offerings and went back to Jerusalem with it. In Romans 15, 25, if you want to write that verse down, goes through verse 29. Paul's actually recounting the Macedonian offering that he's writing the Corinthian church about. Listen to it. It says, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution. Can you say pleased? They were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. Now listen to this. They're actually talking about like a healthy biblical obligation here. It says, for if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, then they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed this task and have made sure that they've received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. A few things that I want to just show you here is they were pleased to make the contribution. It was already a decision they made in their heart and their mind to live outside of themselves. So through that, they were pleased to do it. Paul also says this, listen, you heard the gospel from these people. The church in Jerusalem is where it all started. And because of them, because of their ministry of the gospel, because of ministry and missions and evangelism, teaching, all of that stuff through the apostolic work, you see the fivefold ministry in operation from Jerusalem all the way out. It says you owe it to them. So he's saying, think, consider what they've done to your spirit and give naturally because of that. And he ends with this. I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. Paul's saying, Raise your level of faith. Raise your level of expectation. Don't give to get. Give to become. And once you've become generous, like the nature of God who you serve, then you can absolutely expect the blessing of the Lord to be upon your life. Now, I love back in, in, in 2 Corinthians how the Macedonians did not wait until everything was comfortable to give. I've heard people say it. I, I don't know if I said it to Sharice or if Sharice and I used to say it. It's like saying, we're going to wait to have enough money to get married or we're going to wait to have enough money to have kids. Like, you're never going to get married to have kids. <laughs> right? Because you always think you need more and you more and more and more and more. 
So some people say, well, I just need to wait until I get the raise to give to the Lord. I just need to wait until I have a little bit more to produce a generous lifestyle. You still think generosity equals the amount of money in your bank account, and that's not it. If you're still thinking that way, then you have to ask the Lord, God, get my mind away from the green stuff or the credit card or the push pay for a minute and just put it into my heart what it means to be generous. Get that thing worked out in your heart first, then the money will simply flow as the Holy Spirit leads. In fact, the stronger your conviction of the generosity that you carry is, the harder it will be for someone to ever coerce you to actually give. You say, I know, what, I know what the Lord's telling me to do, and I know how much he's telling me to give, and you're not going to tell me any different. So if someone comes at you with hidden motives or coercion or manipulation, you'll see it from a mile away. But it requires a strong conviction of generosity. Now, I learned when studying this out that a lot of the, the, the church in Corinth would have learned about an Old Testament Jewish, Jewish feast of Purim. At this Jewish feast, there was a regulation that says, however poor you were, you must find someone poorer than yourself and give that person a gift. So this was an actual regulation of a Jewish feast in the Old Testament. And Paul's coming out of this, right? He, he knew how to follow all the laws. We tried his best. So it's out of a regulation that now we're saying, wait a minute, I'm free in Christ now. I've been completely set free because Christ fulfilled the law. Now, what you used to have to do, now I want to do. So it's like, again, this is not like you have the best job in the world, so I'm asking you to get a big, give a big offering. No, I'm saying no matter what you have in your account, we can find somebody who has less. And God set forth a regulation that now Paul is teaching in the context of that it's out of extreme poverty they welled up in rich generosity. So you can be extremely wealthy and not be overflowing with joy. Do you know that? Scripture says out of the most severe trial, they're overflowing joy in their extreme poverty. You can be extremely wealthy and yet not be overflowing with joy. But without overflowing joy, you won't be overflowing with generosity because generosity comes from your heart, not from your wallet. But we see a partnership of overflowing joy and poverty producing rich generosity. Verse 3 says this, I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded for us, with us, for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. All the treasurers across American churches are saying, amen. It says, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. If we look at where this Macedonian church was, they had nothing. They had extreme poverty, but they gave as much as they were able. I love that statement there. They gave as much as they were able, right? When their calculations were all done, their estimates were all finished, God told them what to give, and they gave what they were able to do. But then Paul even says here, and even beyond their ability. Now, there's two things at play there. There's a consideration in your heart what I'm able to do, right? There's what, what is in my bank account? What do I have able to give? And then there's the other aspect of saying, God, what do you want me to give? So God may have stretched some of them a little bit further than what they thought they were able to give. And now he's saying, you know what? I'm going to give a, a, beyond my ability to do it. But they've heard the voice of the Lord. 
And they were excited to do it, and they urgently pleaded for that privilege. If we look at the early church in Acts 2.44, it says, All the believers were together. They had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Now, I like when it says all the believers were together and they had everything in common. There was unity there. Out of unity sprung generosity. So they saw they were a unified church. And then what you see here, you see entrepreneurship. You see creativity. You see, you know what? I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot of resources. But it says, what did they do? They sold their possessions and their goods. What can I do? The Lord has led me to give to this person who's poor. The Lord has led me to give to this organization, this ministry, this church, whatever it is, the tilapia project, whatever. When your heart desperately wants to give towards something, creativity will come. He wants to give us creative ways to make money. And we see it in the early church. Acts 4, two more chapters later. It says, there was no needy person among them. This was talking about the church. There was obviously needy, needy people all around. It says, there was no needy persons among them within the church in Jerusalem. It says, from time to time, it didn't say all the time, from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had the need. Listen, no feeding program and no government assistance program is going to cause these results. This is the church's responsibility. What I love about this is it shows pure sensitivity to the Lord because it wasn't A, the first and the third and the sixth year, they sold all of their property and did it, right? Or the third, the third Wednesday of the second month of every fifth year, they had to do this. It wasn't regulation, it was freedom. You think about the, the, the church in Jerusalem, these men and women were under 613 laws in the old covenant. When they come out of that into the new covenant, I don't think we grasp or understand the freedom that they had. No longer was it you have to, have to, have to, have to, have to, and when you fail, you're still under your sin. Now they're saying, I get to, I get to, I get to, I get to, and all of my sin has been paid for. They understood the freedom from sin and the freedom from poverty mindset that they had because of the blood of Christ. So now they're like super excited when the Lord leads them. You see that property over there? Sell the whole thing. What? There's an evangelist out of Sweden named Johannes Armritzer who's given away like three or four cars. The Lord just told him to give a car. By the end of the day, he gives his car to who the Lord says. He says by the end of that next month, somebody had given him a car. There's so much freedom in that. But it starts with understanding our freedom in Christ so we don't make this a financial thing. We're completely free from all of the regulations, completely free from the pressure and the weight. Now we walk in the grace that the Lord has given us to give and to be generous. There's a, a widow from Central Assembly of God. Possibly, I haven't seen her today, but possibly sitting here today. She was living on a very small fixed income. Before her husband died, uh, money was not a problem. They had a good living for them. And she regularly actually gave to the Lord before he even became a Christian. So she was faithful in what she could give. After the tilapia project was announced a few weeks back, she felt led by God to give. Since she does not have large income. She's on a small fixed income. She didn't have cash available, but she still wanted to give. So she made a commitment in her heart 
to give really all, all that she had at that point. It would come in the form of a bond that was originally $1,000 at maturation date. So I think it was later that week or it was a week later, she went to the bank um, and she found out that interest had been earned on it. It was now worth $1,603. That's a lot of money to people who have a lot of money. If you're thinking about how much. But she just said, yes to the Lord. I'm going to give out of this. So if that bond came back at five, 6,000, I still think she would have given because it came out of a heart of generosity. Funny part is, she had her bank write the cashier's check. I do have permission to share this testimony, by the way. She had her bank write the cashier's check for an even 1600 She just wanted to make a nice, clean uh, donation to it. <laughs> then she said she felt convicted about the $3. She didn't want to be like Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, <laughs> which is awesome. So she confessed to Pastor Vicky about the $3 difference. Listen, this is such a pure-hearted woman, right? A pure-hearted donation a pure-hearted response to the leading of the Lord. And I'm sure she had fun doing it. <laughs> she had a lot of fun. And when we release something like that that could potentially hurt, I believe we find even more freedom in giving. I want us to watch a, a video, if you can get that ready, a video of a couple from Central, Brian and Lauren Ernie, who really fulfilled these last few verses where it says that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. You can go ahead and show it this time. My name is Brian. This is my wife, Lauren. Uh, we've been attending Central now for eight years. Uh, Pastor Kurt recently asked us to give our testimony on a financial breakthrough that we had uh, back in July. Uh, at the time, uh, Lauren and I were praying uh, for financial breakthrough. And as we were praying and fasting, uh, some of the verses that we were used we used to um, pray over the situation uh, was Deuteronomy 28.8, which says, The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and fill your storehouse with grain. Uh, the other verse that we did uh, consistently pray was Proverbs 11.24, which says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. We attended over the summer um, a Tuesday night service with Teddy Shuttlesworth Jr. And he was preaching on financial prosperity and changing levels. And when it was time for the offering, I felt the Holy Spirit very strongly tell me to give everything that we had in our checking account, which we had never done that before. But I felt very excited about doing that. So I told Brian, and I think he was a little bit hesitant at first. <laughs> Um, at the time, we were um, trying to get out of debt, and um, I knew we had bills coming up. And in doing that, it was a step of faith for, for both of us. Yes. And um, I felt had, had said, and um, we gave, and, and basically the next day, um, I went to work, and my boss had come in and was talking to uh, my coworker and I, and he explained to us that the Holy Spirit um, told him to give both of us raises. And I knew at that point that uh, what we had sown into the kingdom was already uh, coming back. Um, and then Lauren... In that same week, um, Friday when I got paid, I noticed that I had a raise in my check, and my boss had just told me in June that we weren't getting raises, um, so I was definitely caught off guard. I knew that that was from 
being obedient. Saturday, the very next day, a family member had dropped off a birthday card with $500 in it, and my birthday is not until December. So again, just another blessing from being obedient. And after about a couple months, we were able to, to pay off the credit card Completely. and move forward. Yeah. So we just want to give all the glory to God, and, and we just want to encourage others to be faithful if the Holy Spirit leads you to, to give. So what I'm not here to say today is, is if you give everything in your checking account, you're going to get early birthday cards, <laughs> right? So these types of testimonies should encourage you. They should lift up your faith. They should say, you know what? Relax. Everything's going to be okay. Have fun with the Lord. Don't think you have to have a certain amount. Just have fun with the Lord, listening to his voice. I would encourage you to ask two questions. Ask yourself, what can or what do I think I can give, right? It's out of your own means. What do I think I can give? Second question is, what does God think I should give? And if you work those two things out, you'll be following the voice of the Lord, giving out of the means that he's already provided for you, and putting yourself in a foolish situation. Do you understand? I've said this several times before, and I would say it again. I'll say it for the tilapia project or anything else. Don't ever give to put yourself into debt, right? So you don't, you don't give to a ministry with a credit card that you're going to go into debt and then not be able to pay that off. Don't give a bond out of the bank because you heard a testimony about someone giving it. Unless it sparks something in you and says, you do that same thing and I'll provide the same way I will for that lady. Don't give everything that's in your bank account because you saw the testimony. Let the testimony rise faith up so that he can make and speak to you in a unique way. And if he matches exactly what you've just heard or seen, or if it matches selling a piece of property or doing something, you'll know that God told you to. And the testimony can be used to increase your faith. And we're only on verse 7. Here we go. Verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see to it that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now you see what he's saying. Listen, the knowledge and the revelation that you have, the love that you have, the faith that you have, the words that you have, you excel in all those things, but don't forget to excel in this grace of giving. That word excel means to be abundant or plentiful. So he's saying as, pl- as plentiful and abundant as your faith is, your speech is, your knowledge is, make sure that you excel in this grace of giving. Chris Gilkey, a pastor uh, down south says, true generosity is giving your all, and still feeling like it cost you nothing. I mean, think about that. A lot of times we say, I want to give until it hurts. Well, I understand that. I, I would understand sacrificial giving, right? Giving more than you might be comfortable giving if the Lord told it to you. But in the whole scheme of things, true generosity is being able to give it all or sell something or do something creative that God's telling you to do and still feel like it didn't cost you anything. In verse 10, if you want to skip down, it says, and here's my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. So this wasn't like a one-time offering. It was ongoing to the church in Jerusalem. It says, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Now follow this again. There's a means within which each person's working with. But what he's saying is this. Your willingness to do this, your desire to do this should be matched with action. 
Now, there's a lot of Christians that would say, I want, I have a desire to pray more, but it actually has to be matched by praying more. I have a desire to fast more. You actually have to stop eating at some point to do that. I have a desire to study God's word more. That actually needs to be matched by you buying some resources that will help you study the word, right? It's all these desires and all these good intentions. Paul's saying, no, no, no. If you have good intentions, then actually match it with your action. Now, a lot of these things like love and faith, you can't see them when they're happening in your heart. Generosity is something that you can actually prove to yourself you're walking this out in life. Verse 12, it says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. The Lord will never judge your offering based on the salary of the person sitting next to you. He's never saying, wait a minute. When you gave, you didn't give out of the other person's bank account. Why not? That person's a millionaire. Absolutely not. He's saying, listen, if you're willing to give, then give out of what you have, and it will be received as an acceptable offering to the Lord. I love that. Not by what you don't have. Have you ever thought that way before? Well, I, don't, I wish I had this to give. Well, I don't even have, I just, I have all, all I have is a dime. I don't have anything else. No, no, no. God's, God's saying, stop looking at what you don't have. Just consider what he's already blessed you with, and then be sensitive to the Lord in that. In verse 20, it says, if you want to skip down to verse 20 with me. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. I love what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, you have to be diligent, not just in front of the Lord, but with what in front of men. So we have been diligent, I believe, in being open and honest about how we're handling finances here this year, especially with missions, with the Tilapia Project. We're trying to break down every detail for you to show you where the money is going, to show you there's none being you know, put aside for other reasons. It's all going to where you said, or you know, where, where we've funneled that specific offering to. Like the way the church handles the money and the fruit of what this money produces will absolutely affect how and when people give. Do you understand that? How we as a church handle money and what fruit it produces will affect how and when and why people give. Now, some people are going to give out of discipline, right? They'll just give, they, they understand they're starting with their, the, the tithe and they're just moving through different offerings to missions, building fund or whatever. And some people give out of passion, a desire to see spiritual fruit in the house of the Lord produced. You know, my personal desire is I would want us to move from the discipline of giving into the passion of giving so we can be cheerful in all that we do. But it, I, I believe that it requires spiritual fruit to encourage that passion. If you look at the, some of the spiritual fruit at Central just in this past year, we've had 94 decisions for Jesus Christ. We've had 40, and that includes adults, youth, uh, from the Hispanic church, and from our street ministry. We've had 40 individuals baptized, including some from the Hispanic church. We've had over 40 physical healings taking place either in these walls or out in the streets by our people. We have over 50 adults in discipleship, not just in a small group, but intentional discipleship. Some are currently in it and some have already completed. We've had 25 individuals go on mission trips to El Salvador, Nisum, and Michigan. We've had 257 adults as first-time guests walk through here this year. People that in 2015 never came through, 257 new people we've had the opportunity to minister to, and 70 
new children come through these doors. The children's ministry has had the opportunity to minister to over 200 different children throughout the year. We have 38 different zip codes represented just in this church family. So like the Lord wants to do something a lot more than just right here. If he is collecting third people from 38 different zip codes in one house of the Lord to be released into ministry back where you came from. And he wants generosity to be a part of that. I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just for a few minutes here. Starting at verse 2, he says, I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians. <laughs> I love that. He's like, listen, church in Corinth, the Macedonians are giving a lot. Hey, church in Corinth, I've been telling the Macedonians about how you're going to give a lot. Nice little healthy peer pressure. This is telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. Now, follow this. He's been talking to the church in Corinth about how Macedonia has already given out of their extreme poverty, how they welled up in rich generosity. And now he's saying, but listen, guys, your desire to give, your uh, willingness to give, your excitement about giving is actually stirring something else up in them to action. So it's not just your giving that stirs somebody else up to give. It's the enthusiasm by which you give that will stir someone else up. If, you're, if you have generosity in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit working through you. So you carry a spirit of generosity with you everywhere you go. So as you give and as you talk about giving and as you encourage other people to giving, there's actually a spirit attached to that that will stir up something that's hidden inside other people right now. In verse 6, and I've, I've talked about chapter 9 a lot throughout the year, so I'm, I'm going to skip around just a little bit here. In verse 6, it says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is a principle or a law of sowing and reaping that we must take seriously. So listen, if you find yourself complaining about the harvest that you have, your income, you might want to consider that what you've planted was too small to receive the harvest that you expected. You following the verses here? Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Take this example. If a farmer owns 50 acres of land and he plants seed in three of those acres at harvest time, does he have any right to complain that the other 47 did not produce a harvest? Not at all. His harvest is proportional to where he sowed seed. And Paul's not talking just about farming here. He's talking about our generosity. I heard a great illustration in a podcast this past week from Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke 6, 38. Jesus talking, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. This is an encouragement. It says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the first time you give or as you learn to give, if you continue to produce generosity in your heart, but the outflow of that is you grab a little teaspoon and you put the resources on that and you hand that to the Lord. You say, here you go, Lord. The Lord's going to say, thank you. I'm proud of you for obeying, right? I'm proud of you for giving an offering. Hey, one second here. Can I have that spoon back? Can I have that spoon for a minute? He's going to take that little teaspoon out and he's going to pour his blessings in there. Maybe not financial, maybe spiritual. He's going to hand it back. You might think, wait a minute. God, you're a big God. Why in the world are you using a little teaspoon? 
He's saying, oh, I'm just using the same measure that it was measured to me. So that could either hurt right now or that could feel really good right now. Because some of you are taking that big old soup spoon out, and I'm not talking about big amounts of money. I'm talking about in your heart as the Lord leads. I hope I do not have to keep repeating that. Right? You take that big old soup spoon out, and you say, here, Father, I'm following, I'm leading you. He says, hey, can I, can I see that spoon? Whoever will be trusted with little can be trusted with much. Brian and Lauren shared this verse in Proverbs eleven twenty four: One who gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, that means excessively, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now, you might think if you give freely with no limits or with no fears that you're eventually going to run out. But the Bible says it's opposite. He's saying, listen, you can't outgive God. I said it before, don't give and go into debt. Don't be foolish. But he's saying here, one who's giving generously actually will prosper because of that. And the reverse is true. One who withholds excessively comes to poverty. You would think, wait a minute, if I'm holding on to everything that I have, shouldn't it like accumulate? Yes, it might accumulate. You might have a huge bank account, but you'll be walking in a poverty mindset, thinking I always need more. But it says a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And it doesn't mean to scratch somebody's back that can scratch your back. That means you give generously to people who even can't help you. And the Lord will make sure you are refreshed. Chapter 9, verse 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful means cheerfully happy, having joy. How many of you know there's a difference between giving a gift and making a payment? right? How many of you know there's different results? When you get to give a child a gift, there's joy. When you get to give West Penn Power a payment, there's not joy. What I'm concerned about is too many people are giving gifts to the Lord and feeling like they're making a payment to West Penn Power, right? But the results should be joy. I'm cheerfully happy that I'm giving to the Lord. And still pay your bills on time, please. We want revival. We want salvation. We want healings. We want God to move in power and in grace. But money is a part of that. Margaret Thatcher of Great Britain said this once, no one would remember the good Samaritan if he only had good intentions. He had money as well. So God wants to utilize the money that he's given his people, the church, to help solve problems in this world right? Feed someone who's hungry and then tell them about the love of the Lord. Donate a car to somebody who can't get get to work and then invite them to church. Buy clothes for someone who has very little and then share the gospel with them. Give your time and babysit for free for a single mom who needs help and then tell her about a God who provides. Demonstrate the nature of God, then talk about the nature of God. Because what will happen is this, Our generosity is actually going to be able to testify to the trust that we have in the one who we say is Lord of all. If we're telling people, he's Lord of all, he's Lord of all, he's Lord of all, don't touch my stuff. Don't touch my stuff. Don't touch my stuff. Then our message is not going to line up with our actions. But people will begin to notice. And I'll end with this. You, verse 11, you will be made rich in every way 
so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So it will result in what? Thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So as they're giving, it's causing expressions of what? Of thanks. Oh, yeah, thanks to God. And thanks to God. It says, because of the service by which you have provided for yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accomplishes, that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. I think we can all agree that thanksgiving is a core element of the Christian faith. And I love this. Is our generosity specifically, like to the people of Isla Tessahara, our one church in the middle of the Mecca of Houston, Pennsylvania, right? One church could provide the funds that could produce income and resources that will spread the gospel for generations to come through one offering. We are not setting up a plaque on the fence on that island that says, gracefully donated by Central Assembly of God. So they're not expected to give thanks to us. What is going to happen? Our generosity is actually going to result in a people miles and miles away giving thanks to God and praising God, right? Jesus says, let your good works shine before men or let your light shine before men that they would see your good works and give what? Praise to God. Not like, well, that person's really holy. Wow, look how righteous they are. Absolutely not. That's not the way this works. He wants our generosity to overflow so that other men and women will look to God and say, you've provided once again. You're an amazing God. You're a miraculous God. Do you understand something that we're doing natural today or something that you can do naturally the rest of your life? Maybe don't make it about just this. Something that you can do naturally the rest of your life as a lifestyle can actually be received as a supernatural miracle in somebody's life. The island has very little fish. It's about to have a lot of fish. Well, that's nice. No, that's called a miracle. So through our generosity, people can give thanks to God. Sharice and I have committed to give. Our elders, leadership team has committed to give. In fact, we have already received over $4,000 to this project. My sermon's over, by the way. I'm going to transition to the offering now. For those of you who have it in your heart to give to the Lord, I would encourage you to follow the guidelines of Scripture. Give what you can. Give out of the means that he's already produced. We see, and some of you might be asking, you know, we have several needs at the church and we have desires of updates and renovations and upgrades and repairs. We want to develop ministries. And you might be asking, well, why, why are we taking all, all this effort to receive an offering for a, a place where only, you know, 18 of us or so on have, have met, you know, so far away. I firmly believe that as we do what the Bible says, to give to the poor, give to the widows, to give to the Lord, to produce generosity, the Lord will absolutely take care of our needs, right? We'll operate with wisdom. We'll save. We'll set things aside for future projects, but we want to give to the poor in this area. 
Missionary Jim Elliott said, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. So as we're giving and going to the farthest places, he's going to make sure we have provision at home. So that's why we give today. If you are, have decided to give to the Tilapia Project, there are envelopes uh, in your bulletins today. There's also, if you're newer to Central, if you haven't been here for a few weeks, there is this brochure that you're more than welcome uh, to go home just to learn about it. You can still ask Pastor Vicki uh, questions if you still want to decide to give later. That is uh, more than welcome. If you are giving a check or a cash, there are tilapia envelopes that you can uh, pull out of your bulletin and you can set those right in there. If you're giving cash, uh, if you can, please, if you want to be known or even for tax purposes, uh, if you could just write your name, just write your first and last name on there. We, we didn't put a, a line on there. So if it is cash, you want it for tax purposes, you could just write your name on the envelope. If you're giving a check, obviously your name would be on there. If you want to give by credit card, I'll say it again, do not go into debt. If you can't pay your credit card off at the end of the month, don't give above that means. If you are giving by credit card, then you would want to use a pew envelope because it has those uh, boxes on the back of that. Um, obviously, we've been talking about push pay for a long time. If you can put that screen, that slide up with the push pay envelope or the push pay graphics. Uh, if you've given before, buy it. There's a number that you can text uh, right in, your, um, right in, a, in an open um, text conversation, and then you type Central AG into that, and then it'll send you through to a link. If you already have the push pay app, if you see when you open it up, there's different types to give on that, and Tilapia Project is one of those areas that you can give to today. We're going to watch the video when we receive the offering. In fact, I would just like you guys to all stand at this time. What we'll do is I felt led a few days ago to speak a blessing over you today. I mean, specifically for those of you who feel led to give to the Tilapia Project. But you know, if the Lord has been leading you in that area of repentance, you're like, God, I would just want that heart of generosity. I want to speak this over you as well. So if you want to hold your envelope, your check, cash, whatever it is, if you're giving by push pay, you can hold your phone. Hold my phone. And just make a, a point of contact with the resources that the Lord has given you. And I want to just speak a blessing over you. And then what we'll do is this. We can just, um, we can come into these two aisles and those two aisles, and you guys can come up, and there's a, a, a fish tank there. There's one over here, and then you guys could just be, uh, you can just exit out the other ways, and we'll just close like this today. I'm taking this seriously. So in the mighty name of Jesus, I proclaim financial increase upon you and your house. I call in jobs for those of you who are unemployed. And I call in better jobs for those of you who need them. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you now with a breakthrough in what has been clogged up and restricted, that it will begin to normally flow again. Because of your obedience and his leading with this offering, I declare God's favor to be upon you so that those things that have been tied up in the courts, such as inheritances, settlements, and estates, be released so that you may enjoy what God means to be rightfully yours. God has stated that he wishes you to prosper. So therefore, I speak a blessing to come upon those of you who work in sales and commissions, 
that deals, and op- uh, that deals with opportunities to be attracted to you and that God would prosper you in an extraordinary way. May the Lord return back to your wallets and bank accounts what Satan attempted to steal from you, as with Job in the Bible. I speak that you be restored double what was lost or stolen in Jesus' name. For those of you that God has blessed as entrepreneurs, may your mind be inspired with God ideas and inventions so that you would prosper for the kingdom's sake. For those of you who own businesses, may blessings be so abundant that your company can bless its employees with good pay and package benefits. May the Lord bless you with a spirit of abundance and miraculously bring you out of debt so that the stress of debt and the burden of debt will be released from your minds and that you will come into a new peace and a new reality of financial freedom so that you and your house may serve God in newness and joy. May you and your house begin to enjoy plenty so you may give liberally and generously in offerings as well as alms to the poor. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.